The shepherds are the easiest to relate to. Not Mary, who responds to God's promise with boldness and courage. Not Joseph, who seems supportive despite not being totally in the loop. And not the Magi, who trek hundreds of miles to visit some other nation's king. The easiest characters to relate to in the Christmas story are the shepherds. The angel of the Lord stood before the shepherds. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Understandably. Most people who encounter God in the scriptures respond with a similar sense of fear and trembling. Jacob, Isaiah, Zechariah. The shepherds are no different. But for the shepherds, this encounter with the glory of the Lord is especially terrifying because they have gotten so used to living in the dark. Hour after hour, watching their flock by night, at some point your eyes just get used to it. The darkness becomes normal. And eventually, it's not the darkness that hurts your eyes, it's the light. And those of us who gather here tonight with festive carols and warm season's greetings should not lose sight of the terror of the shepherds sitting in the darkness, because we know something about that darkness too. We live in a world that feels increasingly uncertain and perilous, and after a while, what started as a crisis just becomes the same old, same old. Our political institutions seem incoherent and unable to take seriously our most basic problems. Our communities of faith are increasingly turning in on themselves and giving in to the false god of self-preservation. And our economic life seems more and more short-sighted and unconcerned with the common good. As if everything has a price, but nothing has any value. Now, some of those problems are structural, of course. Others are cultural, others spiritual, maybe. But at the heart of all of those problems is a failure of vision. They stem from a failure to reckon with one another's humanness. So often we encounter one another not as people, but as objects, as votes to be courted or suppressed, as labor to be used up, as resources to be leveraged for our own sake. We reduce other people down to who they are in terms of us. A threat, an advantage, a burden, an example. We rarely see others the way God sees them. Christmas changes all that for us. In the fourth century, Athanasius, who was a bishop in Egypt, was asked why God had to become a person. And he responded, the Son of God became man so that we might become God. Or as we would say, God became human so that we might become like God. To become like God, of course, is not to become infinitely powerful or infinitely knowing or any other all-whatever idea we come up with. No, to be like God, to share in the divine life, is first and foremost to share God's vision, to encounter one another the way God encounters us. Christmas changes how we see one another because Christmas changes what it means to be human. It reveals what God actually thinks about us, that God wants to inhabit our experience, that God desires to know what it feels like to weep, to laugh, to mourn, to want, to grow, And yes, to have that most human of experiences 
to fail. To be human is not simply to be a vote or a worker or a status or a condition. To be human is to be someone whose companionship, whose friendship, whose life is desired by God. That's the glory of God those shepherds encountered that dark night. Now that vision scares some of us. We might even say it terrifies us. Because if we encounter one another the way God encounters us, if we see people with God's vision, it means giving up our certainty that we can distinguish the deserving poor from the undeserving poor. It means giving up the idea that we are good judges of people's character. It means giving up the idea that there are some people in the world who are worthy of redemption, and as it just so happens, they tend to be people like us. But what really terrifies us at the heart of it all is giving up the idea that there are some people for whom we have no responsibility because they don't live in our zip code or go to our church or speak our language. But how much of our strife, our resentment, our animosity toward one another would be undone if we saw one another as people whose company God desires? God desires the company of our friends and the company of our neighbors, sure. But God desires the company of those for whom we believe we have no responsibility. The ones who should have made better choices, the ones who must have brought this on themselves, the ones we falsely believe have nothing to offer us. Those are the people whose company God desires and inhabits. And like the shepherds, it is precisely among them that we find God among us. Now this past summer, a couple of us went to Grace Lutheran Church in Hartford, Connecticut, because about five years ago, Grace Lutheran stumbled across the glory of God in a very unexpected way. Every Friday night, volunteers from the community serve dinner to about 100 people in the fellowship hall. It's about 5,000 meals a year. And a few years ago, the folks from the Friday dinner started getting tickets for loitering on the sidewalks after dinner. So a member of the church came up with what he thought was a quick solution. They found an old shipping pallet by the dumpster and built a bench so they could sit on the church property. The bench turned out to work pretty well, so they built a few more to sell to people in the neighborhood. And pretty soon they started employing people from the Friday night dinners to build the benches. And five years later, that quick solution has turned into an LLC called Fresh Start Pallet Products with its own factory that hires people facing barriers to employment. And one of the ushers' benches in the back, the one Anthony is sitting on, was built by a man struggling with addiction and housing insecurity and two refugees from Syria who worked as successful cabinet makers before the Civil War. And after we toured the factory, Grace's pastor, Rick, told us that we had to come see the church fellowship hall if we wanted to get what the program was about. And this seemed, to be honest, like a pretty boring prospect. I have seen more fellowship halls than I ever care to, and they are at best fine and at worst good enough. <laughs> but Rick was insistent that we couldn't go until we saw the fellowship hall. So we got back into our cars and schlepped back over to the church. And the fellowship hall had something I'd never seen before. 
The walls of the fellowship hall were covered with hundreds of black and white portraits of people, eight by tens. Some of them were regulars at the Friday night dinners. Some of them were volunteers. Some of them just people who lived around the church. Portraits that were taken so close that you couldn't see anything besides people's faces. You couldn't see what clothing they were wearing. You couldn't see their family. You couldn't see where they slept last night. You couldn't tell whether they'd been using again. You couldn't tell if they had a green card or not. And Rick stood in the middle of the fellowship hall and started pointing people out to me. He said, this guy just came out of rehab. This woman is the local Episcopal priest. These people have been living on the streets for two months. This is the social worker from Catholic Charities. This woman just left an abusive relationship. And I interrupted Rick and I said, Rick, you need to get closer. I can't tell who you're talking about. And Rick turned around with this big grin on his face and he said, that's the point. God became human so that we might become like God, so that we might have God's vision. And in and through one another, the glory of the Lord shines around us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.